It's one year before the murder. You're feeling nervous. Today you start a new job. You're clutching a bin of unused cleaning supplies as you stand on the doorstep to Daniel's condo. You feel like a fraud, and part of you wants to run in the other direction. Just as you're about to walk away, the front door opens. It's him. He smiles and invites you in. After introductions and a brief explanation of your task, he leaves for work and you're left alone. You let out a small sigh of relief. That was easier than you thought it would be. You start to work. His kitchen is large and opens out into the living room. The bright open space stands in stark contrast to the stove, which is covered in layers of grease. You begin scrubbing as hard as you can. You think about how the stove got to be this way. It must have taken months worth of neglect, at least. How could someone ignore this kind of buildup? Maybe he doesn't notice the mess that he's making, you think. As you move into the living room, you take note that the furniture is new and modern. You can tell that it was all bought at the same time. You begin to think about how close you got to this kind of life. Only a year ago, you were living in Atlanta. You were a few classes away from your nursing degree. You lived alone, like him. You remember that you used to make your own pizza and invite friends over for dinner and board games. This is the last happy memory you have before it all fell apart. First, your dad died. You were heartbroken, and as an only child, you had to take a leave of absence from school to help your mom through everything. Next, only a few months after the funeral, your mom was diagnosed with cancer. It's an aggressive cancer, which forced her to stop working. She lost her house, and ultimately, you were pushed into a crossroads. You had to decide between caring for your mom or finishing school, but it wasn't really a choice. You knew what you had to do. So you moved here. It was inevitable, really. But now your life has forever changed. You used to be light, but now you're heavy. You have the weight of one ghost weighing you down and a deep understanding that you'll have another one soon. But your parents' ghosts are your burden to bear. You wish more than anything you would have spent more time with your dad before he died, and now the situation's repeating itself with your mom. You scrub, mop, wipe, and shine every surface. You're starting to feel angry and direct that energy into your cleaning. By the time you're done, the place is spotless. Your name is Kim, and you are Daniel's housekeeper. Today is Monday, is one month before the murder. You're holding your bin of cleaning supplies as you approach Daniel's condo. You no longer feel like a fraud. You're confident in your work and proud of the business that you built. You use your key to enter and are surprised to see him standing in the kitchen. He looks upset. Kim, he says, we need to talk. He explains that his work has been slow for a while now. You feel a pit forming in your stomach. He extends his hand, palm facing upwards, as he asks for the key. Something inside of you knows this is the first domino to fall. Things are tough in the economy, you know this. But you also know that he will keep his job, his condo, and his modern furniture. You hand over the key. You work harder than ever for your remaining customers. You even offer discounts. But one by one, they all cancel your services. 
It's the day before the murder. The cicadas have descended upon the town, and it feels like there is no escape from their wrath. You're in a small exam room at the doctor's office with your mother. Advertisements for different pharmaceuticals decorate the plain walls. You're exhausted, and your mother's exhausted. You both wait silently. The door creaks open, and the doctor emerges. He's accompanied by an older woman with a professional demeanor. You recognize her from a previous visit. She's a social worker. They both sit down. The doctor kindly holds your mother's hands. We're at that time, he says gently, the time we've talked about before. We've done everything that we can. We're at the end of the fight. Your eyes immediately well up with tears. You've known this day would come, but the fight was your distraction, your life raft. If the doctor pulls the fight away, you'll have nothing left to hold on to. The room is silent. Eventually, you manage your response. What do we do now, you ask? The doctor says you need to support your mother through her last days and try to keep her comfortable. He says that he knows you're doing this without insurance and that he's brought Mary, the social worker, to help you. He slowly backs out of the room as Mary starts to talk. She speaks quietly and is sympathetic. She explains that you won't be able to get your mom a room in a hospital unless she has an emergent condition. There are a few spots in a local nursing home, but even the subsidized cost is far too much. Your last option is to care for her at home and to have a home nurse administer painkillers. Mary hands you some information. As she quietly exits, she lets you know that you can stay in the room as long as you want. You turn and hug your mom. She feels so frail. Once you're back home, it hits you. These are her final days, and you are helpless. Your mother will have to stay here with you. She'll need painkillers, though, and you cannot come close to affording the home care nurse to administer them. To make it this far and then not be able to do anything at the very end is breaking your heart. This is a nightmare. You would do anything to stop her suffering. But there is one thing you can do. A thought that's been circulating in your head since you drove to the doctor's office this morning. You have an out. One that you would have never imagined using. You've made a copy of each customer's key. You can enter their homes. It's Sunday afternoon. You're examining your old customer list. You're contemplating which ones are most likely to allow missing items to go unnoticed. The ones that don't appreciate what they have. The ones that live alone. It brings you a small ray of happiness to settle on Daniel, your first customer. He was always so selfish, and the mere act of just scraping a little bit off the top feels like some form of justice. It's such a small amount for him, and such a huge impact for you. On the bus ride over, you start to formulate your plan. It's Sunday afternoon, and you're sure that he'll be home. You briefly think about waiting for tomorrow, but you know that you can't. Your mom might not make it that long, and you can't stand one more minute of her suffering. You'll need to get him out of the condo somehow, if only for a few minutes. You decide that you'll call him from a blocked number and make up an emergency. Hopefully that'll get him to leave. But what if he won't leave? If this is the case, then you're ready to fight. 
You imagine yourself knocking him out. It wouldn't be hard as long as he doesn't see you coming. As the bus nears his condo, you think that your next move is truly in God's hands. When you step off the bus, the street is covered in cicadas. As a matter of fact, it seems as though the entire infestation is centered at his condo. As you approach, you see that the front door is slightly ajar. It's almost imperceptible unless you're looking right at it. You know that his kitchen window faces the wooded area on the side of the property. You walk around to take a look. You can see him in the kitchen. Music is playing. It's loud. Suddenly, a second figure appears. It grabs him from behind, gags him, and drags him away. You're frozen. Is this God's plan? Your desperation turns to confusion. You quietly move around to the back where you can see into the bedroom window. From your hiding spot outside, you witness the whole act. It's as if everything is happening in slow motion. At first, you're not even sure what's going on, but eventually you come to terms with it. You are witnessing a murder. You record the remainder of the act on your cell. You even catch some footage of the killer leaving the condo. You cannot believe who it is. You watch as the killer exits the scene. You're in a state of fear, but you know you only have one chance to grab the money. You put on your rubber gloves and let yourself inside. You slide into his closet and carefully pull out the shoebox where he keeps his cash reserves. Your heart is pounding as you quickly stuff the cash into your bag. Tears start to well up as you pass by the bedroom and catch a glance of him laying motionless on his bed. You flee the scene. It's seven days after the murder. Today is Daniel's funeral, but you can hardly feel sad. You buried your mom just two days ago and your emotions are raw. Thanks to last week's events, you were able to afford care for her for the last few days. She died without pain in her bed at home. You're planning on leaving town today. You saw how the police covered up his murder and you know it's not safe here anymore. But you can't stop thinking about Daniel. He was the one that gave you your first job in town It was his death that ultimately paid for your mother's peaceful passing. Your entire existence in this town has been tied to him in one way or another. You can't leave without saying goodbye. As you approach the church, you see that the parking lot is full of cars. The service has already started and everyone has gone inside. You park near the back of the lot and that's when you see Daniel's best friend. It's Joey. He's sitting on the ground crying. He looks hurt. You approach. Who hurt you, you ask, but you already know who did it. It takes a while, but Joey tells you the whole story. He doesn't know who his attacker was, but you do. You're conflicted for a moment. You have no reason to stay here. In fact, staying and helping puts you in danger. But you also feel the sharp pang of guilt. You know what will happen to Joey if you run. You can't let anyone else die. You cannot have another ghost. Okay, you say, it's time to stand up now. I'm going to help. Can't 
find nobody to cast a stone When you're living in the city of broken bones You have been listening to Ghost Story, a podcast brought to you by Cold Plunge Studios. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button on the podcast player of your choice. For more content, visit us at ghoststorypodcast.com. And finally, thank you for listening. And everybody knows But the highway shut down and ain't no place to go There's a party in the streets before we bleed Everything's free on Independence Day Don't